This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. It was kind of like Hansel and Gretel. We, we found some breadcrumbs along the way. Two children rescued from Burke Mountain. Why? They spent a cold night alone in the wilderness. Protesters target customers at the Vancouver Aquarium. The band. I think it's terrible that they're doing that. Why demonstrators want the aquarium to drop its lawsuit against the city. And the Uber alternative. Have you been doing cater things since it, since it launched? Taking Vancouver's only legal ride-hailing option for a test drive. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks very much for joining us. There's a lot of relief and a lot of gratitude tonight for search and rescue as two young children were found safe after a cold night alone on Burke Mountain. The siblings had been out hiking with their dad when the trio got off trail and became lost in rugged terrain. Tanya Beja is live with more on what happened. And Tanya, you spoke with the parents just a short time ago. What did they tell you? That's right, Sophie. They say they are just incredibly grateful to search and rescue crews, calling them amazing people, and say they're so thankful for the tireless efforts of volunteers. After more than 12 hours alone in darkness, two young children are brought to safety in the arms of their rescuers. This was really kind of a, a miraculous rescue and a, and a really, really positive outcome. A seven-year-old boy and his six-year-old sister stranded on Burke Mountain overnight. The pair were discovered by search and rescue crews just after eight Monday morning found the two kids laying in a flat area but in an extremely steep gully uh, with logs crisscrossing and a waterfall above them and they were huddled together you know with no shoes and no socks. The siblings were on a hike with their father Sunday but lost the trail on the way to Monroe Lake. They were holding hands as they walked a very narrow path and um, one of them flipped and all of them flipped and they fell into a ravine. The dad uh, thought, you know, this is a dangerous situation. I better go for help. Uh, he couldn't call for help. There's no cell coverage up there. The father, who was injured as well, eventually found another hiker who called 911. Members of the Coquitlam Search and Rescue and Ridge Meadows Search and Rescue scoured the area Sunday night. A helicopter flew over several times, but no sign of the children. You're hoping you'll hear this little voice in the darkness, and the, the, the creeks were running pretty full, so no matter how yell, loud you yelled, they, they couldn't have heard us anyway. But what we did see really worried us, because there's dozens and dozens of waterfalls. If they had gone down one of these waterfalls, it uh, would not have been a, a good thing. At first light Monday, volunteers hiked in again looking for clues. It was kind of like Hansel and Gretel. We, we found some breadcrumbs along the way and one of those was the backpack. A pair of shoes and footprints finally led them to the children. It was so gratifying to find the kids. They were safe. They were just a little cold. They were quite thrilled flying out with us. The children were taken to Royal Columbian Hospital with cuts and bruises but are now recovering at home. So glad those kids are safe. Tanya, what more have you learned about the family and their time here? 
Sophie, they're originally from Georgia and arrived in British Columbia last August. They say they love the outdoors and have spent a lot of time exploring. They've obviously never had a situation like this before. The children, thankfully, are safe. They've had a few cuts and bruises, but uh, they're home. They're exhausted and they're recovering, catching up on sleep in bed. I Sophie and Chris, back to you. All right, Tanya, thanks for that. And uh, Coquitlam Search and Rescue and Ridge Meadows Search and Rescue, not the only teams kept busy this long weekend. Lions Bay Search and Rescue sharing this video on its Instagram account. Crews called out to help a group of hikers on the Tunnel Bluffs Trail when one of the trio began experiencing severe leg cramps and exhaustion and couldn't go any further. The team gave some nutrition and then flew him back to Lions Bay. North Shore Rescue also saying it responded to a medical call on the Howe Sound Crest Trail. Now we have some breaking traffic news for you. Take a look at this. A truck flipped upside down. This happening in West Vancouver a short time ago. It's affecting eastbound traffic on Highway 1 between Taylor Way and Capilano Road. West Vancouver police say the highway will be reopening shortly. No word yet on what caused this crash or any injuries, but you should expect some delays if you are in that area. Now, there is growing support tonight for a campaign to eliminate parking fees for emergency room patients in Langley. It's something the city of Surrey has already taken action on, and now one man is hoping to see it spread province-wide. Catherine Urquhart has more on his petition for change. Petition, petition. Sign Gary's petition. Gary He is taking names and numbers. You want to sign the petition? Yeah, I'll sign the petition. Okay, I'll get it for you. The senior is fighting for anyone needing to attend emergency at Langley Memorial Hospital. He's campaigning for up to four hours of free parking. So that people using the emergency room at the hospital don't have to worry about their car being ticketed or an $80 parking fine because they're a one-minute overdue. Parking costs as much as $4.25 an hour, which he says can add up. The 74-year-old is about halfway toward collecting 2,500 signatures. We're taxed to the hilt and enough is enough. If you're a low-income individual, it's a tough amount of money to pay. There's far too many people that have to go to the hospital and they are sick and they're having to go to emergency and they don't have the money. Last year, Surrey City Council directed staff to make street parking around Surrey Memorial Hospital free for the first two hours. Gary He hopes free hospital parking will spread across the province, and he's offering to help. I would be their overseer and guide them along, but they would do the petitioning in their jurisdiction. You're welcome to sign my petition if you wish. Gary says he'll continue his crusade until July, when he'll present his petition to the Langley Memorial Hospital Board. Hospital, parking fees. Along with local and provincial politicians. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. Some good news to report tonight in contract talks between the province and B.C. teachers. For a while there, it looked as though the situation was deteriorating, but Keith Baldry joins us right now to explain why parents and students should have no fear of a strike, at least not yet, Keith. 
Yeah, that's right, Chris. Uh, the VCETF executive taking the move today through President Glenn Hansman of lowering the temperature uh, in talks that are still ongoing, but uh, had a, a, certainly a difference of opinion on the class composition and class size issue last week and people taking to social media, pointing fingers at each other. But today, Glenn Hansman sent me a message saying not only are they willing to uh, negotiate through the summer, but the fall as well. So he says, yes, we're willing to negotiate through the summer and the fall, too, if need be. It's the position of our entire executive committee, including incoming BCTF president Terry Mooring and me. So the contract is up on June 30th. Glenn Hansman now uh, saying today they're willing to continue to talk uh, well into next fall. So in previous scenarios, when the TF's contract is up, job action is, uh, often is not far behind, including the outright withdrawal of services in a full strike. That doesn't seem to be on the table now. Hansman signaling they want to sit at the table as long as possible, long as they ever have in the past. And that's good news for students, teachers and parents as well. No doubt some relief there. Okay, thanks very much, Keith. Right. Protesters rallied outside the Vancouver Aquarium today, drawing attention to the facility's lawsuit against the city and park board over the cetacean ban. Grace Key has more on why the aquarium is suing and what demonstrators want the public to know about this latest legal battle. There's never an excuse for animal abuse. They're speaking out against the Vancouver Aquarium's latest legal battle, this one against the City of Vancouver and Vancouver Park Board, over millions of dollars in lost revenue since the cetacean ban in 2017. Demonstrators with no more dead cetaceans calls the suit crass and greedy. That asserts that somehow um, eventually taxpayers should be responsible for the loss of revenue sustained by the aquarium when public outcry um, created a downturn in their attendance. The ban came into effect after the deaths of two beluga whales. The suit claims the aquarium suffered a decline in attendance that amounted to a $4 million loss in revenue in 2017 and again in 2018. Parent company OceanWise says it can't provide additional details on the proceedings since the matter is before the court. Just explains what we're here for. Thank you. Demonstrators say they were here to educate aquarium visitors, but not everyone was impressed. The fact that they, they do a lot of rescue and rehabilitation kind of leads me that these folks here are kind of closed-minded. My kids just learned not to put plastic in the ocean. They just learned the importance of recycling, and they just learned the importance of not touching different sea creatures and how to keep sea animals safe and the things that they need to do. This is not the place. For Last year, B.C. Supreme Court ruled that the cetacean ban was in conflict with the licensing agreement to not interfere with the day-to-day -day operations of the aquarium. The Park Board appealed and the decision was overturned and goes back to Supreme Court. Grace Key, Global News. And on the topic of cetacean health, there are new concerns tonight about the endangered J-Pod southern resident killer whale population. Scientists say J-17 and her young calf appear to be in declining health. Kylie Stanton has the new aerial photos that are raising concerns and why scientists say new rules set to kick in next month couldn't come at a better time. Are you seeing this, Rod? No matter what the angle, catching a glimpse of a resident killer whale is a once-in-a-lifetime experience. But new photos taken from above with a high-resolution drone are giving scientists a different perspective revealing the concerning state of one whale's deteriorating body condition. They uh, noticed over the last couple of years that uh, J-17 has slowly lost body weight and has developed what's called a peanut head condition. 
In the first photo, J-17, an adult female, was pregnant with her daughter J-53. Last fall, the aerial photos showed some weight loss, but it's the most recent one taken this month that has experts fearing the worst. She has given birth uh, four times, so she's been very um, uh, important in contributing to the to the stability of the population. Her three-and-a-half-year-old daughter, J-53, also appears to be in poor shape. The news comes just months after an unprecedented effort to save the young J-50. Despite attempts to feed the orca and treat her for infection, she was declared dead this past fall. Losing another would only further endanger the species. In a statement, Sea Dog Society said, when you have several of these animals in visibly poor condition in a short time, it is a call to action for everyone in the Salish Sea. And we got to get serious about taking care of the problem. Earlier this month, Fisheries and Oceans Canada announced sweeping new rules to protect the whales, including requiring ships to stay 400 metres away and closing some salmon fisheries. While it's a step in the right direction, scientists warn it may not go far enough. We need to restore the habitat uh, that will allow the salmon that the whales depend on uh, to recover. In the meantime, scientists will be collecting samples from the whale's prey to better understand what's impacting not just her recovery, but the population as a whole. With only 75 left, no one wants to see the numbers drop any further. Kylie Stanton, Global News, Victoria. One of the most unusual celebrations of Victoria Day, right here in our own backyard, coming up a little later on the news hour. And an avid prospector stumbles onto this giant gold nugget, where he found it and what it's worth later. Right now, though, while the province waits for ride sharing, such as Lyft and Uber, there is an option for ride hailing. It's called Cater, and it's been up and running for about six weeks now. So we decided to take it for a test ride. Aaron MacArthur has more on how it's working so far and the limitations. A couple of clicks, and the car is on its way. Hey there. Hey, man, I'm on the other side of the road. Can you come around? By anyone's measure, Cater's app looks and functions like ride hailing. How you doing? And a few minutes later, producer Mike McDonald talking to his driver. So when did you start driving for Cater rather than in Surrey? Since the company is open. Oh, since it started. Over the course of one Friday night, Global News took three rides hey, in Cater cars. Good, how are you? All three trips, the cars were prompt, the drivers knowledgeable, and the trip cost as advertised. This is a sunroof. This is nice. Yeah, it is. Drivers say Cater is paying them a steady wage, $20 an hour, with or without fares. But it's been a slow start. Today's, today's busy. Today's busy? Yeah. I yeah. mean, better than the other days. Yeah, one day I was driving six hours, I only picked up one trip. We asked Cater for a comment about our experience with its service. The company said no. In fact, had its public relations firm say in an email, no one from Cater would be available for an interview in the foreseeable future. The cars are part of more than 100 taxi licenses that were granted to Cater, the taxi industry sharing in the revenue. According to ride-hailing proponents, Uber and Lyft supposed to be cheaper and more accessible options. Pricing set on consumer demand and cars are set in consumer demand. And that's how the system can accommodate 
you know, huge influxes of tourism, all those kind of things. Well, right now, there's only about 120, 130 cater vehicles, which are just rewrapped taxis. That doesn't help anybody in Burnaby or Richmond or in Kamloops or Kelowna. This is a Vancouver-centric uh, service at this particular point. As demand increases, Cater has said more cars will be put on the road. But as of right now, only people who are invited to use the app can order a Cater. The service, though, a good option. Have a good one. Hey, man, I appreciate yeah, this. This yeah, is great. No problem. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. A new look for the stretch of commercial drive in Vancouver that's officially designated as Historic Little Italy. A crosswalk in the green, white and red colors of the Italian flag, along with sidewalk logos and banners between Charles Street and East 4th, celebrate the street's foundations in the Italian community. This year's Italian Day Festival is set for June 9th. A 35-year-old man is in police custody in Abbotsford after a raid and standoff that involved a woman and her 11-year-old child. As police were conducting a follow-up with a woman in a domestic violence uh, investigation, they learned the male suspect in that investigation was in the home in breach of his court-ordered conditions. They were able to get the woman, her child, and tenants in the basement suite out of the house after a standoff with the man who had barricaded himself inside. Police saw smoke and fire in the house, and the suspect came out. He was arrested, suffering from smoke inhalation, and remains in custody facing charges. Well, there is nothing quite like that sinking feeling of standing at an airport carousel and realizing your luggage isn't there. This is why I only do carry-on. <laughs> right? Consumer reporters, reporter Andrew is here with the story of a BC woman whose lost luggage story turned into a long bureaucratic nightmare. Oh, it sure did, Sophie. This went on for months. Thank you. There's always a risk of losing your luggage when you fly, but nothing could prepare a BC passenger for what she experienced when her bag went missing. The incident happened this past Christmas on a Flair Airlines flight. She was promised compensation, but for weeks she patiently waited. I had enough. They do not respond back. Iqbal Mali expresses her frustration over the amount of time she spent trying to get compensation for her daughter's lost luggage. Just a nightmare. It's literally nightmare. During the Christmas holidays on December 17, 2018, Iqbal's daughter, Jen, flew on Flair Airlines from Toronto to Vancouver. When she landed at YVR, her luggage never showed up. Immediately, Jen filled out a property irregularity report, the first step in processing her claim. I lost uh, some of my medications. They were in there. A lot of my clothes, Christmas gifts were in there. Um, luckily, no homework or anything was in there. Iqbal says she contacted the airline right away. She even drove out to YVR to speak with a Flair airline representative, but says she was no closer to getting answers regarding her daughter's lost luggage. Still, she kept trying. I have no idea how many times I called them. I was getting nowhere. The wait time is two hours on the phone. I've been emailing them. I tried, started searching on the internet. Who could I contact? On January 22, 2019, Flair Airlines officially declared Jen's luggage lost. She was told via email the low-cost carrier was processing her compensation check in the amount of $1,500 Canadian, the maximum reimbursement available specified in the airline's tariff. She was also told she would receive the check in two to four weeks. But after five weeks, still no check. It didn't arrive. Try to follow up again. Nobody could answer me. The baggage support claim people, they couldn't give me any detail. 
the Better Business Bureau has given Flair Airlines an F rating. It says Flair Airlines has received a total of 143 complaints, 68 of those complaints since the start of this year. Iqbal filed a complaint with the Better Business Bureau, but her complaint was eventually declared unresolved. Now, 14 weeks and still no sign of a compensation check from Flair Airlines, Iqbal turned to Consumer Matters. Within a few days, Jen received her $1,500 check. Only reason this, I'm getting this uh, check is because uh, Global got involved. In an email, Flair Airlines told Consumer Matters, the unfortunate delay was a result of an internal miscommunication and was completely unintentional. We are a young airline and learning from such mistakes, striving to delight our customers. I would never fly them, fly with them again. I'll pay more to not fly with them. Um, I would just never, I would just avoid Flair at, at all costs. Now, we asked Flair Airlines about its baggage tracking system. Flair told us they use third-party ground handlers and rely on airport baggage systems. The airline also tells us it has just brought in CETA's World Tracer, a global baggage tracing and matching system, which Flair says is used by the majority of airlines. We did request an on-camera interview with Flair, but the company declined. And if you have a consumer issue for me, you can reach me at consumermatters at globalnews.ca. All right. Thanks for that, Anne. Now, a different kind of air travel nightmare over the weekend for Canadians flying from Cancun when their Sunwing flight was delayed for more than 25 hours. That created even more delays for passengers in Toronto, and things got so bad the police were called to keep the peace. Everybody is very nice, very calm, but 12 hours in, that's it. Alexander Stredovich is talking about what happened in Cancun, Mexico on the weekend, describing a 25-hour delay on a flight to Toronto aboard Sunwing. The poor um, rep that was there, she broke down in tears because she's surrounded by 20, 30 people all yelling at her. The problems began when Sunwing had mechanical problems on aircraft being leased from Eastern Airlines, a plane like this one. The flight to Cancun was delayed time and again and again. But passengers say they were strung along, told the plane would be there shortly when it still hadn't left Toronto. Sunwing declined an interview in a statement saying it experienced rolling delays over the weekend caused by multiple factors including maintenance issues and crew exceeding duty time, adding, we sincerely regret the delays. But Sunwing didn't do something it is required to, says this passenger rights advocate. Sunwing was supposed to rebook passengers on flights of other airlines. They failed to do so. They clearly broke the rules. The delays getting a plane to Cancun also meant delays for those expecting to leave on that same plane when it returned to Toronto later on. Police were called to Pearson Airport. They're the ones who delivered the news and the choices. Those issues cannot and will not be settled now. Back in Mexico, the full-day delay was frustrating, made worse by little or no information from the airline. After all these delays, getting back home, Sunwing offered a $250 credit to a future non-discounted flight. International rules are clear. An airline in a case like this has to pay compensation. So if they have to buy food, meals, extra parking, and additional transportation, lost wages, all these Sunwing is on the hook for. But in order to see their money, they may have to sue the airline in small claims court. Sean O'Shea, Global News, Toronto. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. 
Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Some breaking news now out of northern Alberta, where a massive wildfire is generating images that seem apocalyptic. More than 4,000 people are being evacuated from in and around the town of High Level. That's about 325 kilometers east of Fort Nelson. An out-of-control wildfire fueled by what's called extreme burning conditions has grown to nearly 70,000 hectares, and it's advanced on the town overnight. Residents are being asked to turn off their gas appliances and be prepared to be gone for at least 72 hours. And some frantic moments in Fort Worth, Texas. A mother screams for help after a man drives by and abducts her eight-year-old daughter. As word spread, neighbors sprang into action and began to search for Salem Sabatka. For some four hours later, thanks to the efforts of several good Samaritans, there was a happy ending. After a mother's frantic cries for help. Tonight, relief. It's every parent's worst nightmare. Church pastor Jeff King watched that video showing the terrifying moment Saturday when a car sped away with the eight-year-old girl inside. A man had ripped the child away from her mother. This is where it all happened, a quiet neighborhood in broad daylight. It was all captured on that doorbell camera on that home's front porch. Police issued an Amber Alert, releasing this photo of the suspect's vehicle. Pastor King and another good Samaritan searched for hours. By chance, he says, stopping outside this hotel 12 miles away. Kind of slammed on the brakes real quick and turned in, and we just started looking at all the cars in the parking lot. There it was. Officers moved in. We got her. We got her. We got her. 51-year-old Michael Webb is now behind bars, facing a charge of aggravated kidnapping, while questions swirl about his motive. And the young girl is safe, authorities say, thanks to this pastor. There are heroes tonight, I'll tell you that. I don't think that's true at all. So that is, um, we were open to being used by God. His reward? He got to call the girl's father with the good news. Gabe Gutierrez, NBC News, Fort Worth, Texas. It's a good call to make. Mm-hmm. Boeing is promising more changes to its troubled 737 MAX passenger jet program. It comes as the U.S. Federal Aviation Administration prepares to meet with regulators from other countries over how the plane might be approved to fly again. This morning, the world's 737 MAX fleet remains grounded, just days before the FAA and world aviation regulators meet in Dallas to discuss what it will take to approve the MAX for flight again. Boeing says it has completed and tested a fix to the MCAS anti-stall system thought responsible for two fatal crashes. It admits it never told airlines or pilots about MCAS before last October's fatal Lion Air crash in Indonesia. Ethiopian Airlines Flight 302 was the second jetliner to crash just five months later. The two accidents killing all 346 people on board. Now, word that even the simulators airlines bought to train pilots could not replicate a similar MCAS-triggered emergency. Ethiopian Airlines was one of the first to buy a MAX simulator, but the CEO told NBC News in an exclusive interview, MCAS was not programmed into the sim. Uh, the MAX simulator cannot simulate the MCAS 
situation. It didn't have the uh, information, the data. It was not configured for this. What you just said is critical. You have a Mac simulator, but it is not configured with MCAS. Uh, yes, it was not configured with MCAS. So even if pilots had been in the Mac simulator, they would not have been able to experience an MCAS triggering. Yes, that's true. The Ethiopian pilots involved in the crash had not yet been in the MAX simulator. The Ethiopian CEO says his airline may not fly the MAX again. In a statement, Boeing tells NBC News it has made corrections to the 737 MAX simulator software and has provided additional information to device operators to ensure that the simulator experience is representative across different flight conditions. Pilot training is expected to be front and center at the FAA meeting this week. The FAA chief on Capitol Hill. Additional training should be an international standard, and we're now in the process of ensuring that that's implemented globally. One of the world's most popular landmarks was closed to tourists for most of the day. Police were called in when an unidentified person tried to climb the Eiffel Tower. Starting on the second floor, rescuers were brought in to get him inside, and he was taken into custody after seven hours. While hundreds of tourists watched from the ground, others spent the entire time stranded on the tower's top floor. Kensington Palace has released new video of Prince William and Kate playing with their children in a special garden co-designed by the Duchess of Cambridge for London's Chelsea Flower Show. The Back to Nature Garden, as it's called, includes a treehouse, a rope swing, and a stream with a waterfall. Kate is an advocate of the mental and physical benefits of nature and the outdoors. In Health Matters tonight, health officials in Alberta are warning about a person with measles who was at a number of public places in and around Edmonton. Alberta Health Services says an adult infected with measles visited several locations between May 9th and 17th, including a busy shopping mall and several other stores and locations. Officials say the person likely contracted measles while traveling outside of North America and became ill shortly after coming home. People in Oklahoma and North Texas are on alert tonight in the middle of a potentially deadly tornado outbreak. They are particularly worried about so-called long-track tornadoes, which stay on the ground for kilometers. The twister hit North Texas this afternoon. Minutes later, two near central Oklahoma. Folks, this is a significantly large tornado on the ground. In the bullseye, the Great Plains, on alert as destructive tornadoes, high winds, large hail, and torrential rains move in. Tornado! This after twisters plowed through Tornado Alley all weekend. All of a sudden, the bush was gone, you're looking up at the sky. From Texas to Nebraska, 85 reported tornadoes since Friday, 31 of those confirmed, leaving a trail of destruction. This is all that was left of walls in my room. In Geronimo, Oklahoma, Charles McKinney is lucky to be alive. He slept through the emergency alert on his phone when the tornado hit Saturday morning, destroying his home. It's just a, a roar, and I just grabbed onto my mattress, and next thing I know, I'm buried. There's the hospital. This outbreak on the anniversary of the massive tornado that ripped through Moore, Oklahoma in 2013, killing 24. 
Rhonda Crossway was a teacher there. She protected students on that terrifying day. Schools there closed today, but she's still worried as this storm approaches. The anxiety is the unknown. You know, what if I'm hit? What if I'm not? But what if someone that I love is also hit? Amazing. Yikes is right. The find of a lifetime for a metal detector hobbyist in Australia. What this giant nugget is worth coming up right after the forecast. More than that quarter, I'm guessing. No doubt. All right, let's check in with meteorologist Christy Gordon for a look at our forecast. And today is sort of a blip-ish kind of yes. day. Well, when you talk about tornadoes and what they're dealing with down in the States, we have nothing to complain about. A little bit of rain, that's about it. But it was actually a splendid long weekend, two days, Saturday and Sunday, with lots of sunshine, although today was a little bit soggy. Hopefully you were just traveling today and it didn't bother things too much at all. Nice shot from yesterday, Harrison River near the Kilby region. Thanks to Robert for that one. And it was beautiful in through the Okanagan. Armstrong uh, showing the blue sky there. Thanks to Sid, Cindy for that one. All right, so here's a look at what we're contending with. We've got the significant rain across the south coast. It's mostly dry in the interior. It's sapped in through the central interior. Uh, there's a number of thunderstorms there. Non-severe. We've had no warnings or watches, but certainly a number of lightning strikes. The good news is the fire danger rating hasn't been too bad in that we haven't seen any uh, significant uh, fires being ignited because of those, but we'll We'll be tracking that tomorrow. We do have some instability headed our way tomorrow afternoon, though. So still some pop-up showers, maybe an isolated thunderstorm, more likely just showers as the instability is starting to weaken. But it's all along coastal regions, along the coast mountains. I'll just close in a shot showing that flow from the north. And when we see that type of scenario across the lower mainland, uh, they tend to dissipate. So we see the showers make their way towards the mountains. So if you're headed to Grouse mountain you would see those showers but then they dissipate as they make their way over to the lower mainland so we there's a slight chance we may see an isolated shower but for the most part tomorrow will be dry we will see showers from prince george through quinnell and western uh, sections from there as well so extending into williams lake uh, whistler and Merritt also and that's again tomorrow afternoon that we have the best chance of seeing those isolated showers otherwise a pretty nice day highs of 19 degrees and we warm up wednesday and thursday low 20 so well way above seasonal, although I am expecting showers on Friday, but we've got three pretty nice days on the way, and I'll leave you with this shot. It's a different shot. Oh, it's a little hard to see, but it's Mount Baker. It's shot from Burnaby, and they zoomed in on Mount Baker with the full moon. Uh, thanks to Tim for that neat shot. Looks pretty cool. Thank you, Christy. Sure does. Wow. All right, after this story, you might think, why doesn't something like that ever happen to me? The discovery of a lifetime in Australia. A dedicated metal detector hobbyist is celebrating after finding this. About 18 inches below the surface of an area of saltbush flats. It's a gold nugget weighing almost one and a half kilograms. He took it to a rock shop where the owner took these pictures. The estimated value, just under $100,000. Whoa. How about that? Not bad. That'd be a nice find. Chris. I've got a 10th anniversary coming up next month. <laughs> metal detector Happy out. anniversary, Mooney. Yeah. Wow. Pretty That'd cool. be a nice pinky ring on you, Jay. <laughs> yeah. Nice try. Nice try. <laughs> a tradition dating back to the 1800s in New Westminster. Today, the annual Hayek Anvil Battery. Each of the 21 blasts dedicated to the memory of a monarch a local community member, or an historic event. This year, one salute was dedicated to the wedding of Prince Harry and Meghan Markle. 
The tradition began when civilians took over the salute and couldn't use military cannons to do it. They should just hand out earplugs instead of having to do that. <laughs> exactly. Oh, that's right. Exactly. That's old school. You do. Okay. Old what you got for I've us? got lots of hockey. No NHL okay. yet, though. But World Hockey Championships. We'll get to it. Good. Thanks, Oph. Uh, World Hockey Championships. Team Canada hitting their stride since dropping their opening game to Finland. Canada has reeled off four straight wins. Went in search of win number five today as they took on Denmark. Carter Hart was starting in goal for Team Canada. Looked pretty good, too. He actually split the duties with Mackenzie Blackwood today. They had a 24-save shutout. Offense came early and often for Canada. This is Pierre-Luc Dubois converting, converting the Jonathan Marchessault setup. And it was 1-0. Five minutes later, Kyle Turris, good BC boy, saucering the slippery backhand pass to Jared McCann. Snaps the wrist shot top corner. He really caught fire after he got traded from Florida to Pittsburgh. Player of the game for Canada today, another BC boy, Sam Reinhardt. This is his first of two on the day. Just charged his way through the neutral zone, split the D and wires it under the bar. 4-0 Canada. What a shot by Paul's boy. Gets one more for a good measure, by the way. Canada went one for three on the power play. It'll be the deflection in the slot. I'm going to take a few looks at this. They looked at this a few times because the Danes thought it was a high stick. 5-0 shutout victory for Canada. Fifth straight win. They clinch a spot in the quarterfinals. They set a point back at Finland for first. Canada versus U.S. tomorrow. Nice little showdown there at Group A. There he is, Elias Pettersson. Sweden meeting Latvia in Group B this morning. Latvia needed a win over Sweden to keep their quarterfinal hopes alive. Sweden opens up the scoring on an absolute snipe job from the alien. Elias Pettersson with the out-of-this-world talent. Just look at him lean into this wrist shot. Got to show you a couple looks. The best part, though, watch the cameraman Trev Destare. So what he gave Trev there when Trev asked him a question earlier in the hockey season. Ninth point of the Worlds for the Alien. Latvino put up one heck of a fight. Twice they were down by a goal, twice they fought back. Roberts Bukarts knocks his own rebound out of midair. That was his hat-trick goal. Peter had a tie hockey game, it was 4-4. But Latvia needed to win, so they pulled the goalie. And with 34 seconds to play, it's okay, Sweden, it's all right. Dennis Rasmussen is going to hit the empty net from well inside his own blue line. And Sweden wins today 5-4. The two-time defending champions looking good at the Worlds. Who knows, maybe they'll make it three straight. BC Lions training camp underway in Kamloops. Over the weekend, the team released Roly Lambala. Today, they re-upped their Canadian content by bringing Vancouver College grad Adam Konar back home. Yes, he is the son of former Lion Kevin Konar. And he's now sporting the same colors that Dad wore for many years here in BC. He did spend the last four seasons in Edmonton following a solid university career at Calgary. He played 34 games for the Eskimos, 94 tackles, three interceptions, two quarterback sacks, and a couple of forced fumbles. If he plays as good in Lions colors as he did against BC, it's a good uh, Canadian linebacker. Adam Kornar coming home to play for the BC Lions. No, I mean, we know how good of a player Adam is. It just didn't work out for us here. Um, you know, with the transition we made in the offseason, uh, with imports playing that position for us. You know, he, we knew he was going to be in tough. We were still going to give an opportunity to, to win a job. But, you know, um, you know, ultimately uh, we couldn't come to an agreement. And uh, he moved on. And, you know, I wish him the best. I mean, Adam's been a proven player here. We drafted him in Edmonton. And he's done nothing but what we've asked of him here. So I wish him nothing but the best. And he knows that. One minutes of this game coming up with those big plays. Oh, what a block by Siakam. Siakam with the denial. Here's Kawhi, and it's as you mentioned, still has something left. 
Chris, stop worrying about if it was a foul or not. The Raptors authored up the thrilling double overtime victory against Milwaukee last night. Kawhi Leonard, 36 points, career-high 52 minutes. From here on out, they're going to play every other night. How much gas does Kawhi have left in the tank following yesterday? I mean, you guys have heard his, his famous line that he said these first 82 games are just practice. And, um, I, you know, I thought we were going to see another gear out of this guy, and, and I think the load management and all that kind of stuff helped, and we'll see. The topic of conversation. Just shake your head with the Toronto Blue Jays today. They're back after their road trip. This guy, Vladdy Jr., hit four home runs, was on fire, and he was sitting on the bench today. Nice crowd in Toronto. Long weekend. Everyone goes to see Vladdy, and he was riding the pine. It was a slugfest, all done by the Boston Red Sox. Sets it was Michael Chavis with the two-run shot, and then Jackie Bradley Jr., another two-run dinger of his own, dominating 12-2 victory for the Red Sox against the Toronto Blue Jays. Blue Jays are now 19-28 and on the season. If you look at a holiday Monday sports. Bit of a stunner. Mm. Head scratcher. All right, thanks, Jay. Thanks, Jay. Let's check in with Jay Durant now for a look ahead to Global News at 11. Jay? Thanks very much, Sophie. Canada is set to approve a second drug testing device for THC, and it's already facing criticism. The Drager Drug Test 5000 is currently the only federally approved roadside testing device for cannabis impairments. Many police agencies have taken a pass on it, and it's about to get some competition. We'll show you the second roadside salvia testing device the feds may soon be using to screen impaired uh, drivers and explain the legal challenges it could face. Those stories and more when join us tonight at 11. All right, thanks, J.D. So college commencement speeches are supposed to send students off into the real world armed with wisdom and inspiration to help them succeed. And a lot of debt. And a lot of debt. And a recent speech by an American billionaire at Atlanta's Morehouse College gave them that and a lot more. You have the power within to be great. Be you, be unstoppable, be undeniable, and accomplish the things that people thought you never would. For the nearly 400 graduates at Morehouse College, Sunday was the beginning of their next chapter. Billionaire investor and philanthropist Robert Smith was offering words of wisdom. Treat all people with dignity, even if you can't see how they're going to help you. But then, something incredible that none of them saw coming. This is my class, 2019. And my family is making a grant to eliminate their student loans. As students at the historically black college for men realized he'd pay off all their loans, a gift worth an estimated $40 million, the cheers grew louder. Computer science and math major Ernest Holmes was about to leave school with $10,000 of debt. It was like a moment of disbelief and then it went right into tears and laughs and hugs and crying because like it really is going to change the lives of many students. Robert Smith, who founded a private equity firm, is worth an estimated $5 billion, according to Forbes, making him the nation's richest African-American. He made the generous decision to help the graduates after speaking with some of them the day before his speech. Robert Smith essentially said to our students, I'm going to make you free to follow your passions. Smith urging the graduates to pay it forward. I want to inspire future men in Morehouse, and I see this as a charge for me to make sure I truly give back. 
lot of future Morehouse students are going to get a get a get an easier financial ride if all of those alumni. Yeah, pay, pay it forward. Pay it forward. Exactly. All right. Uh, final word on the weather and the turn. So we still do have a slight chance of showers tomorrow, but I think for the most part it'll be a nice day, 19 degrees. Lots to look forward to Wednesday and Thursday with showers expected towards the end of the week. We'll refine that, though, as we get closer. All right, I like the refining. <laughs> <Sunshine. laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Thanks very much for watching, folks. Have a good night. Bye. Good night, all.